T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. WGR. Here is the American dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Sports Talk Saturday. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among these in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Make no mistake where you are. This is it. Welcome. Good morning on this. <laughs> Snowy Saturday in Buffalo, New York. Good morning, everybody. Nate Geary, Sports Talk Saturday. I'm sorry for you all. It's the best I got. Sorry. I didn't want this for you, for me. I didn't want this for anyone. And I I just... Listen, in terms of snow, I don't mind it. Um, But I typically want to feel like it goes... hmm, how do I want to put this? Um, it's got to happen after Thanksgiving. Full stop. Got to happen after Thanksgiving. I can't have this pre-Thanksgiving snow stuff. <sighs> like It's just soggy here in the fall. Soggy. It's a, it's a wet season here. I'd rather have snow than rain, honestly. Because like 40 degrees in rain is much worse than 38 degrees in snow. It depends on the context. I would agree with you if I was playing a high school football game or sitting outside watching a high school football game, then yes, I would agree with that. But it's it's so even it's, it's like, basically, by the way, it's basically raining. It's just it's 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 thick rain. Conversational is mm. how the snow would be mm. d- described. Conversational snow. It's not affecting anybody's travel plans. No. You don't have to plow it. You don't have to shovel it. No. You might have to brush your car off briefly. I had to wear boots this morning because you know I, I got like the sneakers that have like the uh cloth material on top you know it's like not a real sneaker sure um slippers 
Yeah, and that's not really great for this stuff. It like immediately like one snowflake hits it and oh, it yeah. just absorbs into mm-hmm. the entire shoe. It's like a downy paper towel. Shoes are better at absorbing water than a lot of dish towels are. Yeah, and that's a problem. Like I feel like that's not how they're supposed to be made. No, it should be reversed. Mm-hmm. Actually, kind of what I thought. Well, at least at least we know that. Um, sabers. How about it? Sabers. We like we love to see it. We love to see it. Dustin Tokarski. They it wasn't like Edmonton didn't try. No, they it's were, not like they, they didn't on try. That man. Yeah, like they they peppered that man, uh, and and that man found a way. Thirty three saves, um, a pretty remarkable performance from a guy that you know. Frankly, I know I would say most people are probably of this mind where he's like I haven't really thought of him as like a guy that I should. Th- ever care about or think about it can't be sustainable can it i don't think so even Um, with craig anderson it can't be sustainable the dude is in his 40s like yeah i can't imagine they'll get continue to get pretty good goaltending and it feels like they get pretty good goaltending most nights it does it does feel like that doesn't it i i I would also say yesterday and this is like i would say a a standard a standard thing, right? I don't know what it is about Dylan Cousins that when ESPN Plus does games and broadcast games and like they'll be talking about the team, it seems like everyone in the national spotlight, if, if they're ever talking about the Sabres, it feels like they're always talking about Dylan Cousins. And I think if you are like, you know, watching these games on a regular basis like me and like a lot of others are, it's not that Dylan Cousins hasn't been good. I just don't think he's been very conversational worthy, like someone that we should be like, oh, yeah, like he's really been it this year. He's been pretty good. Um, but in terms of like lighting the lamp and like putting a lot of points on the on the board, I mean, in 12 games before yesterday, he had five points. He had one goal and four assists going into last night's game. Uh, he ends up with two goals, and and it's it's maybe less about those goals. We'll talk, to by the way, to Paul Hamilton. He's going to join me here in about five minutes. Um, and... It's really less about the goals yesterday, and of course those are, you know, noteworthy, and and we'll we'll talk about them. Um, and it was more about him stepping up to the challenge and being the guy out there for that McDavid line, and not and not having the moment look too big for him. Um, I, I think that was really important. I, I, I thought it was a good overall game for guys like Jeff Skinner, who's kind of all over the ice. Uh, that Tage Thompson line sort of continues to to push the pace. I think they still really miss Victor Olofsson. And, and here's the thing, too. To go up against what I believe to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender in the Edmonton Oilers, and I know they're the Oilers and they'll probably get swept in the first round, but that is a team that actually put some money into their blue line. And I know Duncan Keith's old and probably not very good, and Tyson Berry is what he is, and Darnell Nurse is a really nice player. Um, like, they've got some players on that blue line now. It's not the same Edmonton Oilers team that of last year and two years ago and, and this team that keeps getting bounced from the first round. That, that team has legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations, and they have the best player on the freaking planet. The guy that maybe stood out to me the most, um, and again, we'll we'll kind of go over all of this with Paul Hamilton here in just a few short moments, uh, but Jacob Bryson, I mean, maybe makes the play of the game in the end of the third period, uh, sort of cuts off Connor McDavid on his patented, you know, I'm going to skate past three of your players that are all in fine position to stop me, and it won't matter type of play, and Jacob Bryson just neutralized the 
greatest offensive talent on the planet. So um, a lot to like from that game yesterday. Well, also this afternoon, or at least heading into the afternoon, I got Mike Catalana. He's going to join us at 1130. We're going to talk some Bills Jets. I've got uh, BJ, uh, I'm sorry, I've got, uh, well, I've got several uh, people that we're going to talk some NFL with today. Um, The, um, on top of, I'm sorry, Sorry, I'm losing my train, my train of thought here. Uh, on top of Mike Catalan at 11.30, at 12, we have Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports, 12.30. DJ Bienemy of the New York Daily News. He covers the Jets. We'll have him on to talk about specifically the Jets and um, sort of what they got going on in, uh, I would say, Long Island, but it's not Long Island. It's it's Jersey. Strong Island. It's Strong Island. No, they, they play in the Meadowlands, which is America's favorite Superfund site. So, I, but I do want to point out, I drove through the Meadowlands like maybe a week and a half ago. Nobody's perfect. It, I will say, though, it has bustled nicely there. Like, when I first flew past the Meadowlands to look at it, it was basically in a swampland with, yes, with that's, parking lots. It's, it's a swamp. But there's, like, malls and stuff around it now. Well, they That's almost... It's almost like by law that when you develop a stadium, you must put a mall around it. And that's it. the booming economy they keep talking right, about. Right, because malls are doing great nowadays. That's right. So, and and that's why like the Perry Projects, think about the Perry Projects with a stadium, but more importantly, think of it with a mall. Yeah, two great flavors that go great together. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what everybody loves shopping at the mall nowadays. It's just where people go to hang out. That's right, in the first ward. Correct. <sighs> I, I've, there's been a ton of reporting about like a group that wants the Bills to be moved to downtown Buffalo, and I, with sight unseen, I'm assuming it's basically every major developer in town that's yeah. funding that group, because yeah. if that stadium is plopped down by the 190, it's their properties that go up in value, yeah. and all those folks who just started buying up parking lots right. over the past couple of months, hoping and paying, hoping this would pay off, that the stadium would be put down there, will suddenly be able to cash in on it. Good for them. Hope it works out. Don't think it's gonna. I don't know. They spent a lot of money to get their mayor elected. Listen, that that's true. That 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 is true. But I will say, if they're doing, if they're even considering downtown, which they shouldn't, um, they really they really need to focus on the on the roof. I will not stand for a stadium downtown that's open air. What if they went backwards and instead of putting in a stadium with like sixty thousand seats, they put in a stadium with like fifteen thousand seats? So go small, Sa- go, so Sabres Arena. Go small scale. Just go straight Sabres Arena. Right. Go indoor football. And Buffalo, charge, bring back the destroyers. Charge $14,000 a ticket to go to the Bills. I game. like that. That's inflation, buddy. That is. Well, look, listen. Thanks a lot, Biden. It's, it's right. Thanks, Joe. It's It's been hard recently. It's been, it's been hard in the On the streets. national economy. Um, I also left out my one o'clock guest, uh, Greg Thompson of Cover One. Um, and some just some quick, it's not news if, if you were listening yesterday, um, on the afternoon show or even uh, the extra point show, you know that Tremaine Edmonds will not be playing tomorrow against the New York Jets. Uh, little known fact: twenty-three years old, uh, young man, still only in his fourth season. Um, he will not be playing tomorrow against the Jets due to a hamstring injury. That uh, we're expected to see AJ Klein in his place tomorrow against the Jets. Let's go to the Western Hotline now because uh, Paul Hamilton joins me now. Paul. Um, that was a very fun game to watch yesterday, and I've got like several players I need to, to zone in on you with here. Um, but overall, just sort of give me your thoughts about that game yesterday. I, I, I mentioned in sort of my starting of the show here 
that that Edmonton team is a team with like real Stanley Cup aspirations and not just like they've got the best player in the world and they've got Leon Draisaitl so they'll get bounced in the first round again but like that's a team from kind of top to bottom that that looks the part and and I thought the Sabres from right from this from right from the get-go thought they controlled play um your overall thoughts on the game yesterday I think they somewhat looked the part uh their goaltending is suspect, I think. It's it's held up so far. But uh I, I'm not I don't think their goaltending is you know, Mike Smith is injured. And even when Mike Smith's there, right. I'm not sure their goaltending is something to get them through. I don't think uh you know, Duncan T- Duncan Keith is not what he used to be. And he showed it on the one cousins goal when he basically got baited by a Kajula, who used to be a teammate of his. And handed the puck right to him, a cross-ice pass in the neutral zone, which I'm like, wow, Duncan Keith made that pass? And Kajula just grabbed it quickly up to Cousins. It's in the net. And uh, all of a sudden, you're, you're down even you're, – you're, you're, you know, the, the game's a different hockey game. So, um, yeah, their defense, I, I think, is still a little bit suspect, but they, they're a darn good team. A guy like – look at a guy like Nugent Hopkins. Mm-hmm. He had two assists in that game. He he leads the NHL in assists with seventeen, but he hasn't scored a goal yet. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> he has no goals in seventeen. He's going for the Getzlaff. Uh, he's going for the Getzlaff stat line. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, you know, as long as you're you're making plays, it doesn't matter whether you score, or set them up, or what it matters. But uh, it just is such a weird stat. But it is something that you know is good for the Oilers and just another weapon that they have that uh, you have to pay attention to. But for me. The opening faceoff was the most interesting part. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, hmm, that's interesting. Dylan Cousins yeah. is going to go head to head against Connor McDavid. That's an interesting choice. Talked after the game to Granado, and I, I, I just like the way he does things yeah, because I agree. it's different from other coaches. His explanation was, and I, I liked it, was he goes, I was going over film with Dylan, going over clips. And when we were done, I asked him, "What what do you what would you think about uh, going head to head against McDavid?" And he goes, "I watched his body language. It's almost like he didn't even listen to his answer because, mm-hmm. of course, he's going to say yes." He said, "I watched his body language. He goes, I knew right then he was the guy to do it." He goes, uh, "He goes, has body language been different? He would not have gotten the assignment." And I'm like, "Wow." When was the last time you heard that from Never. a coach? <laughs> Never. <laughs> a thoughtful answer, right? I mean, yeah. I, and and so that's interested me right away. And then in, in in the first or second shift, Cousins was the guy that split the defense and had an opportunity, right. not McDavid. And McDavid was basically five on five, a no show until maybe his last three or four shifts. His last shift, I think, lasted from like the ten minute marker until the end of the yeah, game. Yeah, wild. wild. <laughs> he was out there for a while, and uh, I'm, I'm kidding, but it was he was out there for mo- for a most of the end of the game, and that's when he he turned it on, and the Sabers needed some great saves, and uh, you know, but it wasn't until his last two or three shifts that he even mattered five on five. And to show you how good this Edmonton team is, I tweeted out probably eleven minutes into the period, the shots were three nothing Sabers. I went another couple of minutes where the Oilers didn't have a shot, and next thing I looked up with about 40 seconds left, and they had 14 shots in the period. <laughs> That's, how, That's quickly how quickly it can happen. They can attack. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and Paul, I, I'm I'm glad you sort of brought up Dylan Cousins because, listen, I, he's a guy that you hear Don Granado talk about all the time. When you hear and when you watch the ESPN Plus, uh, you know, broadcasts, he's the guy that Butcher Gross and Callahan. He's he's the guy that people zero in on when they watch the Sabers team. And it's not like it's because he leads the team in points and he's lighting the lamp every night, but he's doing the little things. And I, and I think for me. The thing that I appreciated the most yesterday is sort of him getting rewarded for doing the things that 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 his coach has been preaching to him. And, and it hasn't been the prettiest over the last month, Paul. But I will say, a guy like Dylan Cousins coming through in that moment, scoring two goals with only one on the season through 12 games, I think says a little bit about the, about the player rising up in a moment against the league's best. Oh, a shameless promo here. We probably should have told you so you knew, so you could pro it. Uh, we're going to have, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to have Kevin Adams on with us at 6.15 on the pregame show, Brian and I. And one of the things I, I'm looking forward to asking him, because before the Washington game, I thought Dylan Cousins was really struggling. I thought the Washington game, he was better. And I thought to myself, maybe when Middlestack gets back, it wouldn't hurt Cousins to go to Rochester for a bit, just to get some confidence but then I thought about it. What is the biggest problem he has when when you watch his game? It's a twenty year old body; it's not yeah, strong yet. Right. So he's easily at times pushed off the puck. That's not going to change in Rochester. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the same thing in Rochester as it is in the NHL. And there are different ways around it. You know, you can you can get a big, better base under you if you're not quite as strong in the upper body, which will help you protect pucks and things like that. So that's one of the things I'm very interested in to hear. All right, every 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 instance is different. So Paterka is in Rochester, should be. Quinn's in Rochester, should be. Krebs went to Rochester. Samuelson's in Rochester. It took forever for the organization to get Middlestat to Rochester, and it saved his career. Olison talked about how he learned the North American game by starting in Rochester. Mm -hmm. So how do you decide which young players? Last year, when Yoki Haru really struggled, I thought they definitely should have sent him down, and they just wouldn't hear it. No, he's staying here. We want to work with him here. So I'd like to hear what, you know, Kevin Adams, his, his philosophy on, you know, how do you decide which players, young players, need that grooming and seasoning in Rochester and which are better off doing it in the NHL? So it, it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. Yeah, certainly. And I think like another guy sort of in the same breath, Paul, is Jacob Bryson, who last year started out, I think, looking really good, like his speed was NHL caliber. But then as the season went along and he was asked to do more and more, I think some of that some of that green was exposed a little bit. Some of that 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 young inexperience was exposed. And and yesterday I think he makes the play of the game defensively anyways against the best player in the world who uses and abuses defenders that are much more decorated in the NHL than Jacob Bryson. Talk a little bit and break that play down for me where he essentially neutralizes a play that you probably can flip on ESPN right now and watch McDavid perform twice last week. I mean, just splitting defenders, skating past them. And I thought Jacob Bryson was in in a great position, but used his leverage, used his speed, 
And he's the one guy in that blue line I look at, Paul, and say he's sort of the he's sort of the pace setter in terms of skating ability and the guy that can really move and move with the puck. I was just impressed yesterday with his game, and it's been trending that way for a couple of weeks now. Wait, I was told on Twitter two days ago <laughs> that he was awful. One of the worst defensemen that's ever shown up in Buffalo, and there's no way he would be in the top six of any team in the NHL other than being a punching bag. And um, yeah, so what are you talking about? It's almost Twitter. It's almost like Twitter he's a young told player, me. Paul. Yeah, Twitter told me he was awful. <laughs> well, I and, get my news from Twitter, Paul. So that that you know, <laughs> I actually responded to that one. Usually, I ignore dumb comments like that, but I actually said, "What? <laughs> what are you talking about?" Anyway, he played a, a, a team or his uh, season high twenty three nineteen last night so I think that shows you what yep. the coaches thought of his game and with McDavid coming McDavid's the fastest player in the National Hockey League and with that comes talent so he he had the Jets on he was coming at full tilt he had he had gotten rolling nobody got in his way and he was coming full tilt and it looked for a second like he was going to get around Bryson mm-hmm. but no Bryson had it he he had the leverage on him and was able to to you know break up the play and and the Sabers got the puck and off they went and it was like yeah there there you go nice play I mean that was you know that was the best player in the game coming at you at top speed and Bryson didn't flinch he didn't blink he was fine it's the same thing we were talking about with Cousins he got the job of going head to head against McDavid he didn't blink he didn't flinch he was ready for it and uh, for one game won the battle I'm not going to sit here and tell you Cousins is a better hockey player than Connor McDavid <laughs> but for one game he won the battle and uh you know so yeah I think Bryson and the, the interesting thing is is he probably would not have gotten the opportunity in training camp to show his stuff as much had Samuelson not gotten hurt I think Samuelson was ahead of him on the depth chart in my mind and had he not gotten hurt in the prospects tournament in the first game blocking a shot I think he would have gotten a lot of the time that Bryson got. So, but Bryson took advantage of it. You know, where there was an injury, so that opportunity was given to him. He got a lot of minutes in preseason, did very well with it, made the team, and hasn't looked back. And uh, has done a really nice job. And I'm looking at his number. There have been very nice. I mean, three of the last four games: twenty-three, nineteen, twenty-two and a half minutes, twenty minutes. You know, he's getting over 20 minutes a game now, uh, you know, where where they're trusting him more to be out there and to be out there in key situations. Paul Hamilton here on the Wester Hotline. We're, we're uh, finishing and bearing the hatchet in last night's game because the Sabres have a quick turnaround. They play tonight against the Maple Leafs. So, uh, Paul, before we get into tonight's game, I do want to quickly touch base with you on two quick things. A, yesterday, you know, I heard in pregame you had the opportunity to speak with Aaron Dell, who will be the likely starter tonight. But but talking about the starter last night and, and, and Dustin Tokarski, who, again, puts together a 33-save performance, and he finally gets a little bit of offense in front of him, three goals, um, and I just wonder overall what you thought of his performance, and and particularly for me, Paul, I think about his first start of the year where he really looked shaky. Um, I think he has cleaned some things up. He looks, just from a, a pure confidence level and, and body language perspective, he looks like a different player. I'm... 
his first start was against Arizona. Uh, he uh, made twenty. Maybe I'm thinking. Well, maybe saves. I'm thinking preseason. Maybe I'm thinking. Pre-season. He actually, yeah, that Arizona game was yeah pre preseason. He he did it. I think a lot of what you're talking about was last year, where you know he got that first win in five years, and it was going really well, and then it didn't go well. He was letting in almost uh, on a nightly basis that he started. He was letting in an easy goal. Um, he, you know, coming into the, that game, he had let in 13 goals in his last three starts. But I looked at the goals against Washington, the five goals scored on him. One was a triple deflection. One was a double deflection. He had three deflections, a screen, and then there was a, a play where Opozo gave the puck away and Wilson hadn't cleared the zone yet, so he was behind the defense. And they gave him the puck behind the defense, and he he put it in before I think Tukarski even knew what happened. So, uh, you know, he in the in the in the Detroit game, I didn't like the overtime goal at all. He st- he sat back in his crease. He gave up four in that game, and that was a game they were up three to one. Um, he was back in his crease for the goal and never came out. His butt was in the net. And really, they gave the shooter an angle he never should have had. Yeah, I understand that, you know, Darlene got walked on that one play and, and um, Bertuzzi wound up in alone. I always say I'd like my goaltender to bail me out there. It's not an mm-hmm. easy save. It's a breakaway. But I'd like my goaltender to bail me out there and bail out Darlene and his defensive partner who didn't help him. And, um, you, you know, so... You know the the Detroit game would would be one I think might fit what you're talking about where there were some goals in there. It, yeah, the the Sabers didn't play well in front of him for the last little bit, the last what six minutes. They had gone almost two periods without giving up a scoring chance uh, before that the roof fell in on them, and then you know they wound up giving up the three goals and losing the game in overtime. But that that would be a game that I'd say eh, I, I'd like to see better on my goaltender. Paul, uh, lastly for tonight, a quick turnaround, obviously, for the Sabres team. Talking about Aaron Dell, likely in goal tonight for the Sabres. What are you looking for in another matchup of a really talented offensive hockey team coming to town tonight? And, um, you know, can how do you, if you're the Sabres, avoid maybe the letdown after, I think, putting together a really strong performance yesterday? Well, you don't have... Um... You don't have the excuse of back-to-back as both teams went back-to-back. Toronto got an overtime win at home uh, last night, so they also played. You caught the Oilers on a back-to-back, which was nice. They had been in Boston. And that showed, by the way, Paul. That showed at at times yesterday. Yeah, they had beaten Boston in Boston the night before. So, uh, But in this game, you both are playing back-to-back, so you both are at the same situation. You probably are going to have backup goalies by both teams. You know, in in this one, in in Dell, Dell didn't show well in the preseason, and uh, he's been down in Rochester. And as he told me, he got a two or three games down in Rochester. He knew there were some things that he needed to go down there and work on, which he said he had. So it'll be a fresh experience. What you worry about is you want to make sure that um, you know, and and he agreed that you don't do too much. And he's an older guy; he's thirty two. He's been around. But, you know, he wants to show the Sabres they can count on him. Right. So you don't want to get in net and try to be more than you are. You you just got to go in there and be yourself and and play the game. And, and, you know, you've got some great talent coming at you with the Leafs. So it'll be interesting if he gets in goal. 
the way that um, Granado put it was, Tukarski will start on Friday. You guys are probably on the right track thinking that, you, you know, they'll both play, Tukarski and Dell. But he says, we will evaluate it after the game. So what is that evaluation? Now, Tukarski faced 35 shots against the Oilers, made some great saves along the way. He was reading those one-timers yeah, extremely well. He, he maybe had three, possibly four phenomenal saves coming across the crease on Drysidle on a couple of them. Where the, they just ha- had the one, the, they got it rid of, rid of it right away with some one timers that he was able to make stops on. He was reading those very, very well, and made thirty five saves. The thirty five saves is, I think, what they'd be talking about and thinking about if they wanted to put him back in goal. It's not like a goal goaltender's never gone back to back like that. So the question is, how much do they trust Dell from his preseason performance to what they've seen in Rochester? And how much do they trust Tukarski after a 35-shot, 33-save game and tough game? It wasn't always easy for him. I mean, he was moving in that net. You know, how, how tough of a game was it to see if you would like to put him back in? So, you know, that's the way Granado put it. And, of course, there's no morning skate, so we won't get a chance to chat with him till about 5.30. All right, Paul, I'll be looking forward to the Kevin Adams uh, interview tonight, so uh, I'll make sure we, uh, we we bump that a few more times throughout the program. So we appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy the, the game this evening, and uh, we'll, we'll chat soon. Sounds great. Take care. Thank you. Paul Hamilton there on the West. Her hotline. I'm going to take a timeout because Mike Catalana joins the program next. We switch gears to the Bills and the Jets. That's here on WGR. All right, good morning and welcome back to our second segment here this morning on Sports Talk Saturday. We're heading back to the Wester Hotline because Mike Catalan joins me. And uh, Mike, first and foremost, um, I think we I, I think I'll let you sort of officially bury the hatchet on this on this Jaguars performance last week. I'm I, I I've sort of talked about it at nauseum all week. I filled in for Mike Shope this week and Bulldog and I uh, there's just nowhere to hide from it. So I'll, I'll let you sort of put the uh, the final bow on this thing because I, I am ready to, to get into the Jets with you, uh, but I feel like I, I need you to maybe bury it for me, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. Uh, I said at the time it was the worst loss under McDermott. I don't think there's any question in my mind. Uh, it was one of the few, if if not the only time, I've seen a Bills team take the field where they didn't look ready to play. Didn't mean they didn't play poorly in other spots. I think they got by in the Miami game, and I think they walked on the field not ready. And I and that's yeah, it's on the coaches, it's on the players more in that case. And they they had a little cocky edge to them going on the field. Dan Fates was on the field with us for us. He's like, it's different down here. They're not the way they should be. They mm. played that way. They tell us all the time, any team, any week, all that stuff. It's all true. And then they went out and proved what we sort of took as a cliche, you know, any week, any week. And they played that way. Can it, can it be a positive? Yep, I think it can be. I think it can be the wake-up call that they didn't think they needed, but they needed. And I think they can use it as a turning point. Unfortunately, it's a conference loss and all those hindsight things that are bad. But I think they will get past it. And I think it was a change of mindset that this team probably needed. 13 Wham and Fox Rochester sports director. He's also the editor for Buffalo Plus. Um, Mike, I, I, I guess 
part of this conversation then has to transition to the offensive line. Spencer Brown expected to be back in the lineup tomorrow for the Bills against the Jets. That means Darrell Williams bumps down to right guard, and I think at least you can feel better about the right side. What about that left side if Ike Butker is 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 the guy, which I, I, I think is right. I, I'm not sure that moving Cody Ford again is the best recipe uh, for success, but it's not like Ike has had a good run here either. I mean, I mean, Cody Ford maybe gets the attention because he's the guy they traded up for in the second round three years ago, and he's been sort of disappoint. I mean, disappointment's really the only word that I think is 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 probably FCC approved that you could use for his game. But like, right. you know, Ike Butker has not been much better, Mike. No, he hasn't been. And look, I don't think Dion's been Dion either, and that hurts. Right. I mean, in terms of being like a uh, a very good or dominant player on the left. Butker next to him, he's like Butker. You put Cody Ford in the lineup, they keep moving him to try to find a spot for him. I mean, let's be honest. He's he's been a failed draft pick. Yeah, they can't find a spot for him. And look, teams in the old days, people used to say, you're a guard, you're a tackle. This is where they play. I do agree with the idea of getting your best five on the field. Uh Mike Butker shouldn't be one of their best five, and Cody Ford has proven he's not that guy. And if there's a place to criticize Brandon Bean, to me it's the offensive line. He's spent, we've talked about this before, resources, financial, draft picks, and all that on the D-line. They've not really done it on the O-line. Hopefully Spencer Brown becomes that guy. They spent it on Dion, spent a little money on Mitch Morris, but you know, bringing back Feliciano and Cody Ford and Darrell Williams was a bit piecemeal, and it's come back to bite them a little bit. And it is funny when you – there's always questions. There's the two spots in this team, the production of the D-line and the viability of the O-line, which is not what you want to hear no. about a team you think can go to the Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I believe in the offseason it's going to be a major change in the O-line. That'll be their focus. But when in the offseason – and we're only halfway through this, yeah. and they got to make it work. So let's see what happens. But, yeah, Ike is a guy. Cody is not who they thought he was going to be, and I don't believe Dion has come back fully who he can be for this team. So, yeah, i got questions about the whole offensive line. Mike, and it's I think it's easy, especially last year at times, particularly when they went to Feliciano when Morse went down with that concussion. Feliciano yep. bumped to center, and it felt like that Sean McDermott had found a combination that that he had liked. And then, you know, they oddly bench but don't bench, whatever they want to call the whole thing with Mitch Morse. It lasted right. one more game, and then they realized, yeah, like Mitch Morse is your best option at center. And I think this has been I, – I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm being maybe over – optimistic but it feels like he's been their most steady offensive lineman and I think he gets oh. scapegoated for whatever reason he's sort of a guy people like to point to as 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 someone that that isn't helping the situation rather hurting oh I'm with you I think he's been their best lineman most consistent lineman. I think he's played well and I don't know specifically you know you get different ideas or stories or you hear different things about what happened at that point but he's there and I think they've been happy with him and I think he is a leader, too, and I think that's what they've needed there. But um, Feliciano, you know, we talked about it at the camp and talked about it at the beginning of the year, him coming back smaller, 
was not the team's plan, and he did. And I don't know how that's impacted him. I think they would have liked it. You know, it's, it's, that's a rarity in the NFL. Usually when a guy loses weight, it's because the team asked him to, and he comes back as a different player. I don't believe they asked him. In fact, yeah. that's what Dable told us. They didn't ask him, and he hasn't been the same guy. And, but I'm with you on Mitch. I think Mitch Morris has been good, and I think they're happy with his play. And I think if everybody was playing at the level he was, I think they'd be happier with the line. And it was odd the way that worked out last year. And who knows specifically why when they bumped him around, but he's been back and they're happy that they kept him in that spot. Cause again, he's been, I think I'm with you. I think he's been their most consistent guy. And when this offensive line, but you know, before we kind of move on to some of the things defensively here and, and, and with Josh Allen, obviously the offensive line has just sort of been Mike, the topic of conversation. And, and this is maybe dating back further than last week when I think, you know, ultimately Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen really exposed some things, but it wasn't just Josh Allen in that game, Mike, that exposed problems. And, and in that game too, I go back and I'm kind of watching the all 22 on that game, Mike. And one of the things I noticed is particularly on the, on the inside, Mitch Morse really trying to do his best to cover up for both guards on each side of him. But yeah. in that game, Josh Allen gets a lot of the love because he ends up winning AFC Defensive Player of the Week, an interception, a forced fumble, and a recovery, a sack. But like, there was more to that game than just Josh Allen in terms of shortcomings with that Jacksonville defensive line, right? Oh, yeah. They, they forced the Bills into some bad situations, and then Allen was the guy who made the plays for them. But they really collapsed that line. And uh, it was alarming, right? I mean, it's still the Jags. And Josh Allen, that Josh Allen is a talented guy. But that line should not be dominating the Bills the way they did. And you get back to the whole 111 thing, right? Cliché, cliché, cliché. But that's what ends up happening sometimes when someone is trying to cover for other players. Mm -hmm. And and then you get out of position. And And I liked it. You know, we're in there in Jacksonville talking to Mitch, and he was talking about, the Bills, Josh Allen, and when he starts to, you know, question things and jump out of the pocket early, and Mitch was like, yeah, because when things go the way they are, you, a quarterback's going to bail a little quicker. That's human nature, and it just built on itself. They got beat on the inside, caused problems on the outside, caused Allen to react. And, like, I'm not giving Josh Allen, the quarterback, a pass here. He played terrible in the second half, made mistakes he can't make. But the line sort of set him up for the mistakes by getting dominated. And you're right. When you look at that, you're like, you do have to pay attention to your own job, but it caused them issues all across the line. On the other side, no Tremaine Edmonds this week, Mike, against yeah. the New York Jets. And and maybe maybe people will look at that and say, it's okay, it's just the Jets. But I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are with Mike White getting the nod for the Jets at quarterback, knowing what he did in route to that 400-yard game just a couple of weeks ago, that dink and dunk to the running backs. Michael Carter, their rookie running back from North Carolina, 14 targets in that game. How worried are you about that being a potential weakness or a, a point of emphasis for the Jets to really target against the Bills? And, and how important is, is, is tackling and wrapping up going to be in this football game? Oh, yeah, that's going to be a key because that's what he's going to do. And he does take what's there. That's the way he's played. And this whole Mike White thing, you know, we may look back on it three years from now and be laughing. Remember the Mike White phenomenon? But that phenomenon may last for like a month, right? This guy is in this short window to prove something. And he's got the playing experience of a rookie, but he's been around the league. He's been around, and now he's getting his shot. And uh, 
he does play with a confidence that he doesn't deserve, but he does. And you listen to the people here. I talked to Dan Leberfeld, who covers the Jets. And he's like, oh, no, he, he plays with that uh, because he's waited for this opportunity, and he found that that worked, and he's fully happy to do that, meaning, like, that's how he's going to prove himself. So, yeah, without Edmonds, and it's funny, I mean, I, you can see it. Tremaine's played well. Oh, yes, he has. Over the last few weeks, and it's different. It's different without him on the field this week. And you know the way they use A.J. Klein. I like, you know, Klein gives them something a little different when he's on the field in terms of a pass, I guess, more of a pass rusher because he seems to let that more. But that's not what you need this week. What yeah, you need right. this week is covering people. And, uh, yeah, it's. It's a problem. This is the NFL, though, right? Every week, somebody's out. Something's a problem. You've got to make up for it. But at least at least they have that on tape from Mike White. It's not like when the Bengals got him and they really didn't know what they were getting. And, oh, no. and, uh, and then they got surprised by it. So at least it's not a lot, but at least they have that much tape on Mike White. Yeah, I, I guess I would agree with you there, too. And, and, and kind of last thing on the Jets here, Mike, is – you know, I, just watching, watch it. I said this after the game on Thursday night, but like eventually they will need to make a 30 for 30 about Brian Flores' management of the quarterback position because I've just never oh, seen anything like it um, in the NFL. And there has been some bad coaches, some bad quarterback situations. I just don't know that I've seen anyone more weird awkward um, than, than what Flores is doing. What kind of tightrope, if you're Robert Sala, are you sort of playing here? We talked about this yesterday on the afternoon show, Mike, is I, I think you got to be careful here because especially in New York City, this isn't Cleveland, it's not Buffalo, um, you know, it's not Carolina. This is New York City, and the New York City media and those that fan base can be ruthless. And if you're a rookie quarterback who has been bad, flat out, right. Zach Wilson has not looked good. You're almost playing with fire if if Mike White turns around and puts together a good performance. They score 28 points against the Bills, and they keep it close. Um, I, when can you go back to Zach Wilson? I like. I think you, there's a tightrope that Robert Sala has to walk here, I think, right? Yeah, and I guess you would look at it and say, it's not like it's, let's just pretend. It's not like it's Joe Flacco. And he's a veteran who's towards the end. That's and right. Playing him because the team's playing well. Mike White is still a young guy who could play. Like if they didn't have another quarterback, or if Mike White was their number one pick, they'd be all in on him, right? So you've got to take that lens off it a little bit if you're coaching the team right now. Can they use it for a little while as a benefit and say, look, Zach Wilson played against you know St. John Fisher last year for BYU. <laughs> Uh, nothing against my friends here in Rochester, but he did, like, right? And then he's not ready to play. So if you look at it that way, you say, okay, go ahead and play Mike White and let it play out a little bit. Does it give them some options? I guess. I don't, I don't know what they're getting out of Zach Wilson when he does eventually play, but it is a bit of a tightrope. Now, I was laughing with some friends in New York. I'm like, are we really going to pretend like the Jets have too many options at quarterback? Like, is this where right. we are right, right now? Right. But I do think for that locker room and that team, they realize Zach Wilson's not ready to play. He probably should be watching for a little bit because you do have an option of a guy to play. Like I said, if it was just him and Flacco, play Zach Wilson. What difference does it make? But right now he's going to play Mike White. I've got people telling me Mike White's going to play like this. 
at the end of the year, they'll have an option of dealing Mike White and keep it. I'm like, wow, you're going a long way after a game plus. But if I'm him right now, I stick to it. I say he's playing. You use the injury to buy you a little more time, and you either wait till Mike White becomes uh, Dak Prescott or becomes, I don't know, Tony Romo, like whatever he is, or he just becomes, you know, a nobody who is the guy we look back on in a few weeks and go, remember when everybody's excited about Mike White. But you gotta, you got to be in the ear of your quarterback, Wilson. you got to be talking to him. you got to be pumping him up because you saw him on the sidelines Monday or uh, Sunday. They showed shots of him. He looks like a 12-year-old watching his big brother play, and he does. And then I watch Monday night and I, or Thursday night, and I'm watching a, a coach who doesn't appear to like either one of his quarterbacks, handles them both poorly, ends up both of them playing at times when they're injured, and somehow they still win a game. Yeah, wild. But he's the, he, is the, he is the ultimate guy who has done a terrible job with a young quarterback and even dealing with guys who've been around the league. So, and somehow Flores won a game Thursday night. Yeah, I have no idea how that one ended up the way that it did, but that's the NFL for you, Mike. Um, I, I am I am obliged to ask you, as a Philly sports fan, what yeah. is happening with the 76ers and Ben Simmons? Like, are we? That's quietly turned into like a Jack Eichel type. Yeah, blank show, uh, and yep. and I I don't know who necessarily to feel worse for because I'm inclined not to really feel much for Ben Simmons. Yeah, look, you bring up the brings up the mental health part of it, and I personally believe Rich Paul has done a horrendous job with this. Ben Simmons is not a bad guy; he is a guy that has some issues, and it's obviously a confidence issue because no one that talented should not embrace getting better and changing. Like, he is in great shape, plays hard. Think about it. All the things Ben Simmons does are the things people complain don't get done in the NBA. He's physical. He plays defense. He rebounds. He passes the ball, right? What he doesn't do is the thing people shoot the ball. Like, it's a rarity to say that. So he is a unique guy in that way. Have they made mistakes with him? Absolutely. The worst narrative is, you know, I see these national guys saying he didn't get supported in Philly. That's crazy. He was immensely supported to the point where a little bit of entitling him when they should have been pushing him a little more. Coaches, fans, media, everybody giving him the benefit of the doubt. But then Rich Paul comes out with this and blames Doc Rivers, now Joel Embiid, the Sixers management, the fans, like all these things, and then talks about him not being mentally ready to play. And all Simmons has to do is share what he's doing on his own. And I think if he would have come to that initially, it would have been a very different dynamic. Um, they want him to do that. He's not doing it. He obviously needs to go somewhere else. But um, it's a mess. And it, the only solution is at some point he's going to get traded. I don't think it happens till December when some of the guys who signed last year are available. But it's, it's bad for the Sixers. But it's, I think it's really bad for Simmons and his agent who's running around with Adele when he should be paying a little more attention to his guy. And I think he's let Simmons down, and Simmons has let the team down. Mike, appreciate you, my friend. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. And uh, in, in case the folks don't know where they can find yours and, and Dan's um, and everyone over there at 13 Wham's work, uh, where, where can they find it? Yep. 
Well, Buffalo Plus on YouTube is really the place. And we've had great response. Uh, We put up content all the time. In fact, Jenna Cottrell's with me in New York where we just put up something that we did here on the game. We've got interviews, stories on the team, uh, news conferences, all that stuff. Just go on YouTube. Everybody's on YouTube. It's called Buffalo Plus. And that's where you'll find Dan, Jenna, and myself. And we'll have all the post-game stuff on there tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you as always. And uh, enjoy your weekend. All right, Nate. Appreciate you. Mike Catalana there, 13 Wham and Fox Rochester. He's a sports director and, of course, the editor of Buffalo Plus on YouTube. Going to take a timeout. Got two breaks coming up. Then the one, uh, I'm sorry, the 12 o'clock hour coming your way. I got Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports, and DJ Biennemi of the New York Daily News. All of that is coming up next here on WGR. You can leave the music on, Corey, because... I got to go right to another break because I went too long with Mike Catalana. But the guy's got good conversation. I don't know what, what you want from me. I've, I've got no excuse and no one to blame other than myself. There is no one at the station who hits the outs. I think I'm the worst at it, though. Well, buddy, listen, there's a lot of competition. There is. That's right. All right. Time out. Other side. Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports, coming up next here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.